Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Rackend and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is about Twitter versus Mastodon, but it's really about how AI, chat, and generative AI has the potential to disrupt everything we know about social media. And we frankly spend most of our time talking about the power and influence and interesting, simple use cases for generative AI, and then go back to, and how is this going to break Mastodon, Twitter, and other forms of social media, uh, and have a pretty compelling conversation about that too. Uh, So a fascinating conversation about the impact of AI in social media. And if you're a fan of Mastodon and Twitter, uh, jump forward to the end, to the about 30 minutes in when we really start getting back down to that topic. Also, stay tuned. We're going to talk about our agenda as a bonus extra in the, in the back half of this podcast. Hey, we found a new use for our chat GPT is writing um, cybersecurity policy templates for our company. Huh. Does it do a good job or is it just the assumption that nobody read them in the first place? So you might as well let AI generate them. (laughs) A little bit of both. (laughs) So so here's the question. So so we put it to chat GPT. An example is uh, write me an incident response plan for a SaaS company selling a B2B software product. And it gave us a... Now, obviously, we have lots of customization to do, but it's a whole heck of a lot easier to start with something that's already 50% done. Hey, Tyler, here's a little heads up. Assume the role of is a better way than write me. The more specific you are and the more things you include with uh, um, mm. uh, uh, like semicolons in between, the better the response you get from it. And mm. now that they've announced the tiers and the different flavors of uh, GTB4 that are out and the different personas that they've applied to them, choose which one you want. It's worth reading the documentation to get way better responses. And uh, then you can decide whether you want to commit the 20 bucks a month, or in my case, 26. And that's a good point. Um, the bottom line, though, is I'm sold on it. It's like, okay, I found a way to, to materially move the needle with my business using that technology today. I don't have to do anything up else other than what we're doing right now and we're seeing an immediate impact i need to get my it sounds like I, i'm lagging and getting my subscription and i need to do it just just having it review uh marketing copy would be i think helpful yeah it's a great proofreader well i what i would love again, to see go ahead Sorry, again, be specific in the role that you wanted to take, the audience that you wanted to assume the position of, blah, 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 blah. Because otherwise, it doesn't know to tailor it to the mindset of the audience. Mm. And also, in particular, the the buyer's journey. 
that's that's what I'm what I want to do is I want to say read this in the in the frame of reference of this role and modify it for that reader and see it see how well it does. Which I think would remove my you're, bias. You're on mute, Rich. You're on mute, Rich. I could see you talking. Got it. Yeah. Uh, the the whole idea of uh, giving a specific, you know, modify it for a particular audience or take the role of, you know, a product manager, uh, take the role of a lead engineer, those types of those types of, you know, establish that when you're asking it to either read and critique or or update, write something, you know, to start with. Absolutely. Joanne is absolutely right. The, the more specific you can be about the persona, the personas involved, the better the result. I've even taken it down to assume the following demographics about the reader, mm -hmm. as oh, well wow. as their point of the buyer's journey, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because the, yeah. the form and, and like Jounce will give you a tone. GTP does not. But you want to um, put into GTP the tonality, any demographics, uh, any particular levels of experience that are not demographic, uh, key skill sets, things like that. So you can really hone it to the right lingua franca mm -hmm. for the reader. And mm -hmm. it does, uh, I would say on an 80-20 rule, it does a 70% job. You still have to go back and tweak it and, you know, uh, go through the motions of, of things. It also does not understand different spellings. It mm. told me I was making mistakes. Canadian you were English using, American. Or, 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 or British English, English, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I've noticed is the more you give it in the uh, industry vertical, that you want to have that piece address, the better off you will be. So I always do a first question of saying, how familiar familiar are you with like, uh, I don't know, call it FinTech or, or regulatory for this particular framework? And it'll say yes, and it'll give me everything that it knows. And then I can determine from there, am I barking up the wrong tree or not? Very good for messaging because one of the things you do with you know kind of the type messaging is I'm I, I need a message I need messaging for this role in in a in a in a company um, the CIO the purchaser the um, yeah purchase, purchasing agent the product manager the whatever it really just keeping your vocabulary straight and kind of keeping you on, you know, kind of within, within the, the right bounds. It, I think Joanne's absolutely right. It does that 70% job or, you know, 60, 70% job, but anything that saves, you know, takes 50% of the time, you know, off my plate. Yeah. I'm a happy camper. And and I've learned to choose my vocabulary carefully about my keyword, my first keyword, convince, assume, um, 
uh, what was another one that I that I saw in vision? Hmm. So that it understands that you're talking about a conceptual state. So it it then takes that to be the persona of the audience or the reader or the creator. And it depending on which flavor of, of it that you use, it is you do actually get better results with some of the others, not the generic. So I'm sorry, some of the other what? You're talking flavors about the other, of it. Of, of, the other, of yeah. GPT. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Whereas I find Jounce is eh, iffy at the best. I have not had good results with it. Not used it. I'll give it a shot. I, I hadn't heard of them, and that's interesting. How do you think they pay for it? <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's public beta. Um, no, Jounce is $100 a month. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, for like 10,000 words or something. And uh, it's quite expensive. Um, it's supposed hmm. to be taking the buffers out of what GTP does, you know, like where where you have to be more specific and things like that, because it's trying to direct you to a type of content that you want to create. But I don't particularly believe that its definition of professional or um, in its tonality features are the best because it it's not interpreting me well. I so struggle to envision an AI that would do your choice of words justice, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Tyler, I appreciate that. I will take it to heart. Oh, by the way, uh, so question to the group. Um, Am I doing my best Rich Miller impression with my hairstyle or is Rich doing his best Tyler impression with it? <laughs> Rich put his head under the faucet this morning. That's what happened. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so to to um, piggyback off of what Joanne was saying, I've been playing with using um, OpenAI to write uh, introductory emails from me. And I've, mm -hmm. I've suggested that it go look at my blog that I have like, you know, 10 years of written stuff, both on Facebook and in WordPress. And it's come up with pretty close to my tone. It's been really interesting to get that specific. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Like how, so my blog was called the irreverent sales girl and I said, you know, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it because to Joanne's point, phrasing is extremely important. But, you know, how would the irreverent sales girl write this email to a chief technology officer, for instance? And it, it actually did a pretty good job of picking up my tone. It was interesting. Well, the thing that I like about it is that I can always take whatever it has created. It does not do things like proposals or whatever as well and it will take a high level but when it comes to the change of tone it has a hard time yeah like i've i've taken it amended it corrected it put it back in and then it's come up with things like i don't know how to bridge between the first paragraph and the second paragraph so one being fully me and one being it 
Mm-hmm. And to your point, Tyler, I guess all jocularity aside, nobody understands me better than me. So, Also, it's helpful, like you said, um, it's so much easier to edit something than it is to draft it. Um, but I found it really helpful to create an outline for me. So mm-hmm. that yeah, you know, so I don't have to think through the structure of my proposal. I can just have it write an outline for me with a few specific details, and that's been that's been really that speeds up my creation process. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, using it using it to build scaffolds for whatever you're you're writing, uh, whether you like the whole outline or you know other approaches. I think it. it it really gets you over the blank blank screen situation. And, you know, I, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I always feel like I'm doing a better job if I've got something I'm looking at and I'm, you know, unpacking it and ripping it up and kind of rearranging the things. Um, just moves. The quality is gets there faster. And that's why I, I enjoy using it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, too. I think the other thing is also that if you ask it things like build me a model of or take the following scenario, now build me a model of what that should look like, it does a very good job. And then I iterate it. Now now change this variable, now change that variable. So you'll get like six iterations that you then have to sort of compile, but it does a good job of starting to take, you know, a scenario, add one variable, add X variable, add Y variable, now put it all together. And it it, it actually seems to enjoy that or it, it'll come back with, sure, I would do this and, you know, then it'll build it for you as well. What what kind of models are you talking about, Joanne? Are we talking oh. about very, you know, quant style models? Are we talking about verbal descriptive models? What are you talking about? Um, I would say, well, to to a very large extent, it would be a content model. Because if you're strategically marketing, you're looking at, you know, verticalization, the demographics, all the stuff I mentioned before. And then you're also looking to build that model around um, things like reader attention span and whatever. So a CIO will have less time than perhaps a lower level might or want to go into depth on business side versus hang on. versus technology details or product feature and function. Um, So that seems to work well in terms of putting things together in in the right way. But what it doesn't understand is differences between verticals or um, you can't say compare and contrast unless you give it a good frame of reference first. That was the mistake I made early on because I would say things like compare and contrast. How long have you guys been at this using AI to help with copywriting? I don't use it for copywriting. I was using Jounce for it. Okay. I don't find that chat GPT is 
very good for certain things, but sucks at be pithy or be witty. <laughs> you can say be more concise. Um, <laughs> why is that funny? I just—it's funny to think you can't ask the you, AI doesn't doesn't know how to tell a joke. I mean, it, you can tell it a style. So I did this. I tested it with a story, just a random. Oh, story. so if you had okay. That's Please write this in Dr. Seuss style. And it did a pretty good job. And then I said, okay, well, use the word piggly wiggly or something. I can't remember what I used. I used a Dr. Seuss word in it. And I asked it to refine and refine. And that did a really good job. Mm -hmm. But to your point for cop writing copy, I'm, a, I'm about to meet with the CEO of a company called Tackle.io. And I don't know if you guys have this problem or if you try to work with other companies, but one of the hardest things to figure out is what do these guys actually do from their websites, right? Like tech is extraordinarily bad. Uh, and so you have to dig through lots and lots of stuff. So <laughs> just now on this call, I asked it, you know, why would the CEO of Tackle.io be interested in talking about dev tech group with me? And it gave me four reasons. Oh, wow. Wow. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Very right. So the, the challenge we have is is untraining our search brains and moving into a chat brain where it's you're asking very concrete questions for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a well, yeah, I, I agree with you, Rob. I think that's the 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 right model. I was thinking I was what was I telling uh telling my wife this morning, reminiscing about no, it's actually my daughter, because I was reminiscing about the fact that it was before you were born, the first time I did a internet search on this thing called Alta Vista. <laughs> <clears throat> and I thought I was getting all fancy. And then later it was Google, obviously. But getting all fancy with using, you know, Boolean search patterns and all of this stuff. Yeah. And... <clears throat> I don't use any of that anymore. I just take a sentence and write a sentence and Google is smart enough to figure it out. Um, but it just seems like it seems like chat GPT is just a smarter version of Google. You've got to, uh, you've got to think more carefully about the phrasing and, 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 and the questions and all of that. But the model is still kind of similar, right? We're, uh, we're thinking about an access method between man and machine where that interface is really kind of key for what you're trying to do, which is essentially take all of this knowledge, which is outside your brain and make it part of your extended neural network. Forget you guys remember what they call that. There's a scientific term for that. Um, where your knowledge space extends beyond your cranium. Oh, yeah. Um, um, in in various ways, they 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 called it. Um, oh, it was like it, it was a term that sounded close to extra sensory, but it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was. It, but it it's close to it's. It's a it's modeled on that kind of a construction. Well, yeah, I remember reading years ago about a study with spiders where uh, uh, if you 
modified the web that the spider had woven in a certain way, you could create differences in their reaction to stimuli, implying that part of their knowledge space actually extends to the construction of the web that they live on. Right. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because it seems to me like that whole interface thing, which in Google, it's like, how do you craft your search, right? And we're like so early with this AI thing is like, I bet there's going to be a huge, huge amount of innovation specifically around that man-machine interface between us and mm -hmm. and and the neural networks and 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 we're also by the same token we're also going to be brought up short by you know two I won't call them sentient beings but two different personas two different um, actors uh, making assumptions about the fact that they speak to one another using the same language, but in point of fact, mm, get into trouble. You know, the usual, you know, the uh, uh, the Brits and the Brits and the Americans, you know, have a, you know, a terrible time once in a while of just going, flying completely by one another. You know, it's like we're, we're united, we're, we're divided by a common language. That's, or or, that's, or the or the CISO and the VP of software application development. Yeah, now you're getting close to home, and I'm, the scar tissue is starting to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed, right? To ache a little bit there. But but I mean, how many times have you all been in meetings like like I have, and I'm sure it's millions that you spend a bunch of time just sussing out what the definitions are for the key terms <laughs> for the project with all the stakeholders just yeah. making sure that we're 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 all speaking from the same sheet of music or singing from the same sheet of music and that's why you always you know if you if you if you can do the do the LinkedIn drill uh with the person across the you know who's across the table and you know what kind of work they did, where they came from, and to the degree you can associate that with terminology, uh, just you get into semantics as we as we were talking about earlier. That make that can that can shorten that period of time incredibly, Tyler. That's, so that's could, could we apply AI to that specific use case? It seems like I think that's. A, I think that's exactly what you're talking about when you say write this for or um, interpret this as though you were a, um, you know, a, a mid-level manager who last touched code in 2003 uh, and has never uh, actually been hands-on with any kind of agile development technology. <laughs> It's a hell of a list. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos for that one. Uh, by but, the way, I have no right. idea what I, we I were, actually what were we supposed to talk about today? Is this it? I have no idea. <laughs> no, this well, this is a it's actually tangential. Twitter and Mastodon. Um I I I think these are relevant in the sense because I think that um 
some of what we're talking about from Bing's integration of um, ChatGPT is threatening to the status quo on a lot of these um, these companies. But yeah, I, I would love to hear twi- uh, just as a as history, right? I think Twitter is still up despite. Um, apparently, I just read that there was an, a minor round of additional layoffs at Twitter. Um, the the platform has definitely changed, um, and I think Mastodon. Actually, I'm I'm using Mastodon more than I use Twitter, but is is different. Um, and so I'm, I'd love to how hear you, people's thoughts. How you? Yeah. How well you start with this? How have you, yeah. you you say you're using Mastodon more than Twitter? I, I've yet to kind of find my groove in there. Mm. What is it that that you're doing that's that that leads you to use it more use it more effectively? What are you? I'm I'm, I'm using it for tech to tech for tech news and trends more ah. than Twitter. Um, okay. But I'm still finding there's a set of Twitter sort of diehards that are posting good content and their content is rising to the surface faster because the noise on Twitter is gone way, way down. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, some, sometimes I find on, on Mastodon, I have very good conversations. I find really interesting stuff on Mastodon. Um, it's, it's a little bit more. Um, varied, just, I mean, I, I made a decision. So one of the things I did was I, I did a hundred percent follow back rule to in, increase my, my base. And then I was, I was following people pretty aggressively to try and get, you know, sort of a, my feed built up. Um, well, now, I, now I actually, yeah. What kind of, what kind of news, what kind of, what kind of, um, information, you know, what's the, what's the topic, what are the topics or topic areas? Because it, I have yeah. found it just hard as hell to, um, find the community, uh, I've been looking for in data engineering gotcha. that, um, I can still find pretty, pretty readily on Twitter. Yeah. Plus one, plus one, plus one. Um, <laughs> um, you know, the things I'm tracking in DevOps, open source, um, you know, that those types of infrastructure conversations, yeah. conferences that I'm interested in going to. Um, I was just interacting with one of the VMware executives about VMware. They ran a poll there that I didn't see show up on and on Mastodon instead of uh, Twitter. Um, so that's that's there. One thing that's weird to me is Twitter has a lot of history on um, on um, hashtag promotion, and usually it's uh, very questionable uh, political trends that surface in my feed. And so it keeps promoting stuff, and I'll, I'll look at the hashtag, and I'm like, oh, that hashtag is interesting. I'll click on it, and then have a lot of regret. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Is that in Mastodon or Twitter? In Twitter. Mastodon, one thing Mastodon is really missing is it does not do a good job of um hashtag yeah. um trend trend trending hashtags. Um mm-hmm. 
And so it's, I find it not as helpful for that. Um, but I think Twitter's hashtags had turned into commercial entities even before the Musk acquisition. So it was literally just Mm -hmm. churning. It was, it was doing what it does today, which was churning uh, questionable political trends um, towards me. Do you Um, think the choice, your choice of, of server was, uh, was it, well, actually, did you make a conscious choice of server? I did. Um, and which, which it's actually a little bit more, um, open source. I haven't found a good DevOps. Um, this is the closest I think that I've found to a real infrastructure focused group. I haven't, strangely, I haven't seen, and I'd love it if somebody could point me to one, a real good DevOps uh, SRE type community with with uh, Mastodon. I, I agree with you, Rich. I haven't found my footing on it either, and I sort of gave up for a while just because, not only being sick, but just because I didn't have a lot of patience for it. I was very gung-ho when I first started, but... The level of interaction was not great, number one. I think I am on the wrong server for the audience that I want to speak to or engage with. And it's just... Yeah. So I find it's example, too much like Discord in a lot yeah, of you, ways. You really do have to pick your server, unfortunately, right? That's the, that, that was the... That's the conclusion I've come to. Um, for example, one of the areas that I know... You, People left Twitter en masse from the uh, security, data security, cybersecurity. They they jumped into Mastodon in a big way. And that community is easily found and, and kind of in getting yourself immersed in that was, was you know, simple. Not so some of these other ones. It's really hard to build, yeah. That 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 community seems like they would be more um uh accepting of some of the limitations of Mastodon. Um, you know, to just being used to doing hacky things because <laughs> that's what Mastodon reminds me, it's kind of hacky. Um, hinky, hacky, whatever. Hey, do you guys, so most of you, I'm sure, know Neil Stevenson, or at least have mm-hmm. read his books. This reminds me of a fairly recent book he wrote called Fall or Dodge in Hell. Has anybody read that? <laughs> I read the, pre- I read the, the, the book that came before that, but I have not read. Uh, that's a sequel. Is it good? Um. What was part of his whole universe, right? It's still Dodge was the guy that was the protagonist in Reem D, which was the whole book where he predicted ransomware being paid via Bitcoin in massive online games, which I thought was super creative. It it, it Um, ties together other other books into that universe as well. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 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 fall, the, do you guys mind if I spoil the whole plot? Uh, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler so, warning. Spoiler warning. And noted. Uh, okay. You know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to do the spoiler thing because it's is worth it, a 
It's definitely worth is, is it worth the read? I've been it's on my list to get back to. I enjoyed the what I I I just flipped the letter, so I think of that book as read me, but um uh, so so fall so think of the metaverse on steroids where instead of us using some sort of human uh machine interface to immerse ourselves in the metaverse when we die they take a scan of your brain and then actually take a digital twin of your consciousness and install it into the metaverse okay so that's kind of the story right the uh walk walk away walk away by the way is the same is is the same premise core doctor's walk away if you haven't read that see this is why we need a book club (laughs) i know right right so it's on the list it's on the list for two weeks from now we'll talk about it anyway in this in this book they've created this whole model where they're using um uh artificial intelligence for identity or authentication and, and access management, which is not what I'm talking about. What I'm actually talking about is they also use an AI as as a uh, aggregator of news and social media feeds. Oh, that's interesting. And, and largely because because there's so much noise that you need right. an AI. Uh, but out for, uh, what if what if you didn't have to care about which Mastodon server you were connecting to, or have to or do searches or for other people posting certain content, where you you just had this artificial intelligence that would uh, curate and aggregate all of the relevant social media in both directions for each individual uniquely. It could actually oh, go you further know and it, comment for you on threads in your style on threads that you think would be interesting. <laughs> right. So, right. So you could do like what you do with uh, uh, security incident management, where the 95 percent of the stuff you don't care about, you just put it on autopilot. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. But that's what I, that's what I, that's why I brought that up. It's like, wow, this is such an interesting vision of the future that. This is I, I actually think I think you are you are closer, much, much closer. This is why the chat GPT conversation was so powerful, because social media, right, because it got so disrupted by with Twitter, with Twitter um, sort of doing a force change. The, the, the power shift that we're seeing with chat GPT only makes sense from a social media perspective where you're going to let something curate you know, your own, either it's going to be a company you pay for, like Twitter has been doing in Facebook, where they own the AIs, or where you're paying the AI to do the aggregation. Um, but it also makes sense for it to do the engagement. It just so, so just a little bit of a spoiler in, in, yeah. in Stevenson's book, he goes into some of the unexpected uh, societal implications of such an arrangement. Uh, and it's truly dystopian. So enjoy that. So what do you think that does to confirmation bias, though? I mean, not that we're necessarily moving into that world, but if you're only listening to the things that would be in your voice or that are in your interests, how much more does that disconnect us from other ideas? 
Yeah, that, that's actually one of the things that, yeah. that, that Tyler mentioned, like that one of the societal implications of uh, basically enclaves of people who are it, like basically surrounded by their own hive mind uh, and they just entrench even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- think like dystopian stuff like Mennonites uh, crucifying strangers going through their property because they're living in this alternate universe echo chamber that's been created by this automated curation. Wow. Uh, I mean, we're already seeing that in social media today, right? Yeah, we, yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. And could Jet Chat GPT or let's see, a a a, a language driven whatever they call it, language learning, whatever the large average, language, large language LLM. Large yeah, LLM, large language model. Doing such Actually, a thing, what I mean, what that's such that's a, a a serious concern about unleashing this type of technology that we could take what's already bad and make it a lot worse. A quick question. Uh, but this is, yes, quick question, Charlotte. Um, you said it would, they were using the AI for authentication. It was a kind of a, a super captcha type of thing to, and, and it starts to look like okay, I'm going to kind of reverse polarity on a Turing test. The it's, the, it's even I, more I was than wondering that. if you guys were going to let me gloss over that. I, it's, no, it's it's no. it's not just no. authentication, but it's also generating throwaway identities. Ooh. So so privacy oh, yeah. is one of the topics in in, in the book as well where you you want to be able to for example when you apply to a job the 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 person who who interviews you doesn't see your face doesn't know your name only knows certain credentials that are that are tied to you that so so there's there's like kyc kyb privacy all of that commingled into that a lot of it is glossed over but but some really good ideas uh, so I, I would say for that it was less interesting to me than the impact of using AI for social media aggregation and curation. And the reason why is because it seems pretty obvious to me that identity uh, authentication of identity. If you were able to use AI to look at your entire digital footprint, uh, you could create an accuracy rate of identifying in, uh, individuals that's extremely high. And and that's basically what he's talking about doing is is using a neural network or some other machine learning uh, uh, algorithm to go look at who is Rich Miller. Well, it's, it's, when you start it's, interacting, they start yeah. creating a trust score. And you get to a certain trust level, then you've established that it's it's, it's, it's a re, it's a reverse Turing test. You know, it's the it's the it's the automaton kind of trying to determine, you know, with great accuracy whether, in fact, you know, this person claiming to be Rich Miller is in fact Rich Miller. That that's that's kind of fascinating. Now, on the social media aspect, there was another thing that 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 uh, Tyler you haven't mentioned, uh, but uh, one of the characters uses personal content curators. So, so oh, yeah, they, they yeah, hire yeah, someone 
to tune their AI for them. So when the AI makes a mistake, to send a message to their curator and say, hey, the the AI let this slip through, fix it for me. This is the point where you actually get mad at Neil Stevenson. It was like, yeah, of course he (laughs) thought of that. I mean, like, seriously, that, that's how it's going to be, right? It's not going to be enough just to have this AI out by itself. You know, that'll be the lower, the cheaper versions, right? The free version, freeware version. But the higher stuff is going to have a human blood and flesh that's going to team with the AI to create better curated results, according well, to Well, I mean, th- that's Neil Simpson's trademark MO. Like, he consults with experts, I guess their opinions. So, so he gets an idea, then, then goes to an expert and says, like, I have this idea. Tell me what you think about it. Tell me where I'm wrong. And, th- and then he collects all the information and writes about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the same. The same thing was true of, um, oh, why? The, um, not as tech focused as Stevenson, but um, uh, Gibson? Uh, Kitchen. Yeah. Crichton. Crichton. Michael Crichton. Crichton. Oh, Michael Crichton. Yeah. Yeah, he, that was he would he would take a item in tech and then just get the experts and then ex- taffy it out into the the most uh, extreme scenarios. It made amazing books out of that. Yeah. Well, one of the things though that's come right, up Jurassic in Park. Last, yeah. Sorry. In the last week is the number of <laughs> companies that are are banning the use of ChatGTP for their employees. Oh, I haven't seen and that. And their premise, yeah, their premise is we're paying for your brain, not for the AI. And in most cases, uh, the that I've seen, uh, the, the bans come more from a concern about intellectual property leaving. And on that regard, uh, there was a recent announcement that um, uh, that the, the company behind Chat ChatGPT is uh, revising their their policies and capabilities to provide stronger um, uh, data protection guarantees. I'll have to find the article. Yeah, but I mean, I find it very interesting because JP Morgan announced it. Um, a few others over the course of the last week that they want to they want to make sure that the employees are not doing ninety percent of their work. <laughs> with the AI. I'm a big thumbs down on that because if oh, it really does yeah. serve as just a better synergistic uh, search, so you get better insights faster, then you get to apply your brain a lot more efficiently and faster to a lot of different topics and areas. I I, I don't think that anybody thinks that it's going to take over. Well, maybe it's going to take <laughs> over at some point, but right. I, I think I'm a big thumbs down on that. So if anybody cares, nobody called me. I would be with you on that one. I mean, if I am too, if, if, if I get a better, if I get a, a a better quality contract out of a lawyer or a legal assistant for having, you know, using a uh, you know a generative AI to, you know lay out the as we were saying before the first the the draft the scaffold covers the issues using precedent everything else and then you've got somebody with 
real skills, knowledge that refines that and that and that shows up, covers more of the cases, it's readable, it hits the hits the target, and you're getting this out much more quickly. I'm sorry. How do you how do you how do you fight that? How, well, not how do you fight it? How do you disagree with the its its benefits? Well, because I, I guess what they're trying to say in their own inimitable way is the the nuances, the ideas, the things that are not created by the AI are more valuable to them. So they don't want you to use it because you're going to give it your best ideas, which takes away their competitive advantage. Uh, Now to Klaus's point about, you know, how they're not going to use what the users put into it to train the AI. You have to remember that even GTP four is still two years out of date. To what's current. If you ask it something that's current news, it does not know. So because of that and the pace of acceleration in business and in technology, I can understand why they would kind of go down that road. I mean, do you want to give an AI your best thoughts? Because it's coming from the questions that you're asking it. Well, that's that's actually a good, that's a good issue. You know, how how much leakage of your ideas into into the you know into the AI's kind of repository uh, are you willing to suffer for the benefits that you're getting out? And you know mm-hmm. if this if this was if we were all living in an open source world where yeah, there it is. It's all out there. You know, use it, uh, use it, use it wisely, and use it with attribution. Fine. Uh, clearly, that's that's not the case for a lot of these companies. Uh, so no, I'll, and, and, I'll I'll take a devil's advocate import, uh, uh, point of view here, uh, and the point of view is that J- what J.P. Morgan is is doing is completely rational, and the reason why is if you go back to what they are actually as an organization is they are a digital products company. Everything they sell is a digital product. Um, and they're financial products and services, but all of those are digital, meaning that the um, all of the internal components of that are really, really important to the concerns of the business. Another industry like that would be insurance, where actuarial algorithms are, you know, core intellectual property upon which the organization exists. So for JP Morgan, maybe they made the determination that the increases in productivity don't offset the additional risk of the digital definition of some of their financial products that they sell getting to competitors and others. Um, I think that's a rational choice if that's the way they're thinking about it. Um, Because you look at financial services companies like JPMC and Bank of America and Goldman and, you know, 
I'll tell you where it's going to be. It, they're, it's going to be a real mess. Where it's really going to be a real mess in in the financial is um, risk model management. They right. spend enormous amounts of time and energy uh, building up the risk models, um, certifying them. You know, getting the, because they have to run them through through all sorts of processes and these things. You put a single human being on one. It takes um, to document a, a new model and to run it through the various kinds of of compliance testing. They usually estimate somewhere between ten ten weeks to to four months for one model. And some of these yeah. banks have a thousand different models that they're using. So model risk management is a big issue. And if it leaks, this is this is you know secret sauce. So yep. I get it. I, I wouldn't like be surprised. I'm sorry, I need to close the bridge. One one last point from my perspective is that I expect that they're like, yeah, we want to do that. We don't have any governance or controls about the usage of AI right now. So let's get that figured out in the next six to 12 months. And then we can start partitioning out that capability, like rolling it out to, to uh, accounting, finance operations, other areas where there's separation from the legal or, or from the secret sauce. And we've got some controls in place to keep that really sensitive stuff from getting out through that new method. Because, I mean, they're pretty aggressive adopters of new technology, right? With yeah. cloud and so I, forth. So, Guys, I got I to gotta close the bridge. Yeah. Okay. Until next Bye-bye. time. Thanks. Wow. I hope that was a great conversation about generative AI and its power for changing the shape of social media. Uh, we also spent some time talking about our upcoming agenda and what we see as interesting topics. And I decided to include that so that uh, if you're a listener, you will get your appetite wet for how uh, we're going to be talking about some really important topics in the upcoming weeks. Hope you can join us on the podcast. Any topic of interest or looking at the calendar, anything we want to make sure we put on the calendar? So look at the calendar. I haven't looked at the calendar for a while. What what what's coming up? Data data gravity. I need to ping McCrory to to see if he's uh in for that. Um 20 talking about a 2030 book club. We can we can identify some books, but I was on a bent of of seeing if there are books we should do. Um, then going back to the data mesh, why we don't like data mesh, and then metadata three. Wow, I have a lot. Platform migration, some oh, topic we keep deferring, changing landscape <laughs> for open source in April. And some of these I'm gonna have to reschedule because I've I've got conflicts, but, um, and improving time to, time to decision for tech leaders. Um, on the data mesh, on, on yeah. the data mesh topic, are are we going to? Oh, sure. you know, is it just going to be a you know dunk on on data mesh, or do we do we establish data mesh as an alter or alternatives to data mm-hmm. mesh 
that address some of the same issues. You know, um, I, you know, there's this whole notion of you know, uh, people have have tried to make use of the the term uh, data fabric rather than data mesh, and that has that's met with a varying results. Let's put it that way. I'm capturing capturing those thoughts in the, well, in the minutes in the notes. Yeah, so. I, I I see that you are, but I think it's it's worth it's worth uh, taking a little bit of time and you know rather than being a you know a, just a you know a, a bad mouth session. <laughs> You're right. I should. Uh... You should in, invite Tyler to that one for sure. Oh yeah. I will make but sure he gets pinged. I, I would I also should, suggest I should update the agendas so they're in the actual meeting invite. Let's see. What about adding the notion of semantic modeling for data fabric or data mesh? It almost sounds like a whole new topic. Uh, semantic modeling. Yeah. Well, yeah, semantics. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, the role of semantics in all of this and. And it's it's pretty it's pretty important. It's it's getting it's getting the same kind of attention, you know, in the modern data stack. Uh, people are talking about uh, the semantic layer or the semantic layers, and um, one of the the most Im important uh, providers of technology to what's now being called modern data stack. Uh, DBT has really um, taken a taken a step towards this whole area of semantic layers. Has has one or two other kind of significant companies, and um, yes, worth worth bringing in, worth bringing it in. I try, Rich. I really do. I know you do. Y'all are freaking brilliant. I love these topics. It's great. By the way, I talked to McCrory two weeks ago, and oh, cool. I, I know that he's he's uh, he's hard at work um, on some new new work that he has been doing on data gravity. Some of it kind of doing some quantified. He's had access to data uh, because of his position. That um, he he's coming he's coming up with some kind of interesting indicators of of uh, the impact of data gravity. So worth worth seeing if he's available. Second one. Do you want to have that as part of the data fabric data mesh thing? It, I think we'd be we're going to have a hard time covering both of them in in one one session. I think actually having the data gravity call, call first and then later going to to uh, to the uh, data data mesh would probably be the right sequence yeah 
I'm going to stop sharing so it's easier for me to watch watch what's going on in the, the chat so I don't strand people. But cool. Thank you. I, I Keeping the agenda up to date is, is a challenge I don't always put first. So nice to <laughs> lay, lay things out so we, we can actually coordinate these pieces. Um, that's a lot of cool topics. Holy cow. As always, uh, these discussions are so incredibly deep and powerful, so much more coming. Um, I keep expecting that we're going to be sitting around the table saying, what should we talk about? And that's never a problem. There's so much happening. Uh, and I love the deep transformative way we have these discussions. Uh, and they would be so much better if you took your time out and came and joined us during the conversation. Love having people listen but also like having you be part of the conversation. You can find out our full schedule at 2030.cloud. Um, that is the place to go see and learn about what we're doing and be part of the conversation. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.